right, welcome to a bonus episode of Shades Midweek. A bonus. I am John Mark. I'm in the studio uh, as usual with Brad and Jonathan. Uh, we brought in a special guest today. Andrew is back with us. Um, hey guys. He, yeah. Um, back so soon. You may be asking yourself, why? Why is Andrew here? Why are we doing a bonus episode? Well, why? Um, this is because. Uh, ESPN and Netflix recently uh, put out a 10-part series documentary on Michael Jordan and the six-championship title run by the Chicago Bulls in the 90s. Uh, this was a documentary that aired on ESPN the last five weeks. And we thought we would do a sports edition of Shades of Midweek and just as fans, not as professionals or experts at all, we're just going to sit here for an or hour athletes. or maybe lo- or athletes <laughs> never played the game. And we're just going to talk about the last dance. We're going to talk about Michael Jordan and how happy this documentary made all of us feel. Really, the reason we're doing this is because I needed a way to make brad and john mark stop talking about the last dance during all of our normal episodes of shades midweek i mean it, it kind That's of true. brought the country together I mean, I mean i feel like i was like I, i've i've gone to uh i, I don't want to say that i've been going to a bunch of places during that <laughs> whoa wait a second right. whoa called out whoa but You've safely uh, at safely some, been going some out. houses that i have been at sometimes just people walking down the street they're like, oh, we got to get home before the next episode airs. You know, like I feel like it, it like a lot of people have gotten into this, which yeah. is cool. There's yeah. no sports, no sports to watch. You see, but I, I'll even push back it. Like I've heard lots of people say, well, the reason everybody's watching this is because there's no other sports on Jonathan, TV. Jonathan, I didn't say that. that. I just said <laughs> there are no other sports. It was implied. It was implied. No, no, but like I, I think that. Maybe there are some people watching it who would not have otherwise watched it if we were not in the quarantine situation. But overarchingly, I think it still would have been a massively popular oh, yeah. documentary. I would have watched it. Oh, yeah. I, I would have watched it too. And so if you haven't seen it yet, just a heads up, this whole episode we're talking about what's in the documentary series. We're not obviously we can't cover everything. There's ten hours worth of material. This isn't going to be a ten hour podcast, right? <laughs> so this isn't. Uh, but uh, so if you haven't seen it yet, there are spoilers, Lots which spoilers. you could just I mean, Google anyway. Everything or you already may, you happened. Know. Yeah. <laughs> it already happened. Michael Jordan so. is a basketball player. <laughs> um, he won a lot. John Mark, you you didn't give the spoiler <laughs> alert before you told everybody they won six <laughs> world titles. Right. Right. Just in case you didn't know. But, I mean, it definitely came. What a time. They couldn't have planned this better in terms of the pandemic happening and everyone being at home. No basketball because right now we'd be in the heat of the playoffs, I think, uh, NBA playoffs. So, with that gone – to have Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls save the day once again. It is <laughs> I mean, You know what I mean? It is. It's, it's crazy that it would happen to someone like him that, like, as, like if you were looking at ratings of documentaries of sports figures, yeah. he probably just, you know, you know, beat someone else's, you know, 30 for 30, just, you know, being the winner that he is, right? The fact that it came out, <laughs> oh, that he's probably winning in ratings, he's winning in pop- oh, popularity. Yeah. It's just like shoe he just, sells. He's just it's Jordan, man. He's like just, a, he can't. Yeah. A month or two ago, everybody's like, "Man, 
2020 top documentary, Tiger King. No one's taken that right. down. And Jordan's like, hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> my Miller Lite. I am the yeah. king of everything. Uh, documentary reference there. Doc- uh, should we talk about the 90s? I kind of want to talk about the 90s Dude, a little bit. I I get Jonathan knows the 90s. I get way nostalgic yeah. <laughs> for the 90s. I mean, part of what I loved, and I, I'm not going to lie, I listened to, uh, I, I, I've heard at least one or two other podcasts that have already been talking about The Last Dance, so I'm kind of stealing this a little bit from one of them. Yeah, but uh, that's fine. But something that I did love about the documentary is the stinking soundtrack. Yes. Like, just the music. Like, reliving the music of the 90s. It closed out with a little Pearl Jam. They did. Apparently, Eddie Vedder was friends with Rodman and got... That makes sense. Access pass to their locker room and stuff. Like, he hung out with them. Oh, wow. (laughs) Dude, I... uh, That's amazing. I downloaded. Do you remember the scene of Jordan on the on the bus bobbing his head? Yes. With headphones on. Where they're talking about him being present. Oh, I I went and like downloaded that whole with his album. Discman. I think you had a discman. Yeah. Probably uh, with a no skip. Uh, I, I love how he was like, "This is my friend. We got it early. Like it's yeah. not even released <laughs> yes. yet." Yeah. Yes. It's it's R and B, which I didn't listen to a lot of R and B in the nineties, but it's Kenny Lattimore. Um, and the album's called From the uh, From the Soul of Man. You should go check it out. That's strong. You should go check R&B it out. R&B had a moment. Like, there wasn't Boys to Men was 90s, right? Oh, yeah. That, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's it like stereotypical. Boys to Men was like boy bands before boy bands. <laughs> you know? Well, yeah. Um, and they well, they broke into like mainstream popularity. They weren't just popular in R&B circles. Yes, that kind of, that kind of vibe was very a thing. Yeah. What no. was the one that was like... All my what was that song? Was, oh my life. Who sang that that's, one? Who sang that's that? Casey and JoJo. Yeah, what year was that? Yeah, yeah. Was Casey and JoJo. Was that no, no, no. The big popular one for Boys to Men that everybody knows is I Swear. Yeah, that's a that. Yeah, I was just saying that genre yeah. though. Yeah. Anyway, whoops. but no, not just the music though, man. Uh, one of my favorite things uh, is the clothes of the yes, 90s. Yes, I was going to say fashion. I, yeah. I had completely forgotten about the suits. Okay, so not only do these yeah. suits look, look ridiculous yes. because these guys are giants. I mean, they're just right. huge human beings. But, like, those kinds of massive shoulders, the extra long jacket uh-huh. thing yeah. going on, I just... It's kind I of was, like a 50s gangster look. Dude, it was bit. awesome. Yeah. I was... Like a Tommy was, gun's going to pull out. Yeah. Yeah. Totally, <laughs> totally digging the, the suits, the well, 90s I fashion. Mean, and the one other thing that I really dug... Uh, about it being the 90s was the lack of cell phones. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wow. Uh, I, I heard this on another podcast, too, but then I started paying attention to it. Like, just the fact that these guys, if they're on the bus, if they're on the plane, if they're in the locker room, like, they're hanging out. They're playing cards. They're talking. They're, like... They're not yeah. wearing headphones until, you, like, is it 1998? I see yeah. Jordan wearing headphones walking into the game. Right. Before that, mm-hmm. they didn't do that. No I mean, beats. now that's common practice. Yeah. Right. But, like, think, right? yeah. shoot that documentary with a team now, and on the plane, how many people are on their phone? Yeah, yeah zoned out. Yeah. 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 I just, a lot I'd, more yeah. cards being played. Not, I'm, I'm, <laughs> getting, I'm getting real nostalgic. <laughs> but They weren't playing uh, apps of card <laughs> games. <laughs> right. They had real packs of cards. Yeah. No, so I did. <laughs> I did love kind of that just reliving the But like the so 90s. our our age so we so me and Jonathan both born in 83 means that like when we were it's I think it kind of works out that like 92 we're in second grade 93 we're in third grade it's kind of like easy to track that way Yeah or like close the, to that I can't the, remember um 
Yeah, something around that. I'd have to actually do the <laughs> math. But in my to head be real like quick. a fifth grader and like Jordan is just now coming back. It's like right when you're kind of like uh, looking, you know, like larger than life kind of hero people. Oh, yeah. Like I feel like the NBA was like the sport. I feel like in the mid '90s, like it I was think bigger so. than basketball, it was bigger than NFL. Yes, and it was like it was, everybody was talking about those. Like those stars were like the 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 faces you know right well and i think it's this strange thing we were actually talking about this the other day uh brad and john mark and i like in the 90s every sport kind of had this team that was like america's team like it, it, unless you had this dedicated uh, a, a predisposition to be dedicated to a particular team there was this team that that like everybody across the country loved. So in baseball, it was the Braves. Oh, yeah, they were America's yeah. team. In in the NBA, it was the Bulls. In the NFL, it was the Cowboys. Like it, just probably because of TV time. Yeah, and contracts. Yeah. They were they Networks. were the ones on yep. on like on you know CBS or something like yeah. that. So everybody tunes in. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. So like as a kid, I mean, I, I loved the Chicago Bulls. I actually actually grew up. I had uh, hanging on the wall. In my room, uh, a picture of the Bulls from the uh, 96-97 season when they went 72-10. and 10. Nice. And uh, I remember being shocked that my mom would let me hang My mom actually bought it for me. And I was shocked she'd let me hang it on my wall because Dennis Rodman was in the photo. Um, and, <laughs> really? she, and she was not a huge... Contraband? She was not a huge... Den- not a- I mean, it wasn't contraband, clearly, <laughs> but a- she was not a Dennis Rodman fan. I wonder uh, if Rodman ever spoke at, like, a high school. Like, I wonder... <laughs> a commencement speech or something? In his entire career. Was there ever... Just one time. Somebody was charity? On Were there any charities? I mean, anything. We got a good Someone needs to look quick. that up. Mm-hmm. But... When I finished seminary and moved into uh, my, my you house. colored your hair orange? No, my mother made me come get a whole bunch of junk out of the attic that used to belong to me. Uh-huh. And most of it just got shoved in a closet actually upstairs here at Shades outside of my office. And I told these guys yesterday, I was like, I bet, I bet that picture's there if I go digging. And boys, I brought, oh, hey, I brought something to show you. Right here. Wow. wow like yeah. that so, can, we, can we hang that up? Oh, oh dude, yeah. It's, like it's going the on the wall. It's play going by play. On the wall. Okay, so. Jonathan is showing us a picture right now for those who can't see. Um, he's showing us his Bulls frame. It's got Pippen, Jordan, and Rodman. Are those, yeah, and are those got, trading cards? Yeah, six trading cards around it that has Pippen, Jordan, so Rodman. So basketball but it also trading has, cards is uh, a big thing. Also has Luke Longley, that, uh, yes. Tony yes. Kukoc, and Trading cards was such a Did you guys collect basketball cards? I collected all kinds of trading cards in the 90s. I collected baseball child. cards. Those were really the only basketball cards I had. So, so baseball is definitely like the classic yeah. thing to collect. But I, I didn't watch like baseball, but I collected baseball cards. Right. In in the nineties, oh. though, late like kind of <laughs> mid nineties, it started to become a thing to collect basketball cards. Yeah, and that's kind of what I got into. My friends at school, we would all trade, and that's kind of how I would learn all their names and stuff. Because you'd always get the the bad players in your pack. They don't give you. Know, they give you one good player, <laughs> yeah. and they give you a bunch of garbage. You know. <laughs> So that's how I know, like Pacers. What was that guy? The the really tall white guy for the Pacers, oh, or something like yeah. that. All these random guys, but you right. learn their names, you get into it. There's yeah. a radio guy that I follow on Twitter, and he posted a picture of a Michael Jordan rookie card that he bought Ooh. for four hundred dollars oh, at wow. that time. So I can't even imagine what that thing oh, is man. worth right now. 
I have to Google what these cards are worth over here. My favorite, no kidding, so, dude. Yeah, you should, man. Pay for your kids' college with that it, poster. If, right if there. we're talking about this era and favorite teams, I kind of, I'm curious to see hear what everybody's favorite player and teams were in those years. And uh, personally, I got so I, I kind of got more into basketball when Jordan had just retired. Kind of around, I remember the last championship against Barkley. But then when around that year, like 94, 95, is when I started watching like a lot more and kind of getting into it. And I loved uh, the Orlando Magic because of Shaq. Shaquille O'Neal. Just came into the league. And Hardaway. Yes, and then Penny Hardaway. I was like, who is this guy? He was like doing all these cool like alley-oop kind of passes and stuff. He was dunking on people. And he was a little bit of like – like a little bit of like the underdogish kind of figure. Right, like right, wasn't, right. And so I was like, man, I could I could shoot like this. Maybe I don't know. Like this, this is, so and then uh, he had the one cent kind of uh, logo thing, and then those Nike commercials with Lil Penny, who was this oh, little yeah, puppet. I remember those. And it was the voice of Chris Rock. And so Penny <laughs> Hardaway is like saying nothing in the commercials. Right. This little puppet's like talking trash to people, like doing all this funny <laughs> stuff. And it just blew my mind. I was like, this is the coolest guy ever. I had his jersey. It was very right. into them. What what's funny is like that's that's probably around the same time I really started paying attention to the yeah. NBA too. Yeah. Like like I knew who Michael Jordan was before that, just because my dad, uh, before he went into ministry, he was a football and basketball high school uh, high school football basketball coach. Oh. So I mean like sports were a big deal when watching sports and, and and for whatever reason in my household we always watched pro sports we didn't watch college sports yeah and uh and so i was familiar with it and all that but that's really when i started paying attention so as a result i also with that same magic team always associate horace grant yes. with the magic he was awesome. not with the bulls yes because that's when i was really paying attention to it more. those glasses were cool yeah yeah yeah, yeah, the yeah. Big white pretty iconic glasses. look honestly yeah for yeah him. Yeah, for sure. So, but um, what's interesting, you talking about favorite teams, like, other than the Bulls, I don't know that I really had a team that I was, uh, I really loved. I more followed individual players. Oh, yeah. So, like, I think about, like, Patrick Ewing with yeah. the with the Knicks, and I think about uh, the Carl uh, uh, Malone and John Stockton with the Jazz and Reggie Miller yeah. and... Um, Who's the guy that played for uh, the Supersonics? Gary Payton. Gary, Gary Payton and Sean Kemp. Yeah. Uh, Sean they were Kemp. like my second favorite team. I had a starter yeah. jacket that was the They had a cool vibe. Yeah. The green and just that yes. big that yeah. big Sonics logo. It kind of felt like in that era, each team had sort of like two really big stars. And yeah. I don't know if you guys remember this yeah. video game. Was it called NBA NBA Jams? Jams, yeah. NBA and it, Jam, and it, yeah. it was only two on two. Yeah, yeah. And that kind of felt right. Yeah, it kind of felt like that. That's what all these teams had was these two big right. names. Was that Sega? And then it would be like, he's on fire, dude. I love that game. I love that game. It was oh, interesting for me watching the documentary. So I only remember the kind of Bulls Reggie Miller. Uh, era or the Bulls jazz with like Carmelo and Johnson. Right, right, That's right. all I remember watching. And I can remember as a kid, my dad did not like uh, the Bulls because they won all the time. And he yeah. was like, can somebody take Jordan down from his mantle? And then it just didn't <laughs> no, happen. No, the answer so, is no, even now. No. <laughs> it's true. So I can remember rooting for Miller. I can remember. I like, I like Reggie Miller a lot. I can remember rooting for Malone. I can remember rooting for Stockton. Did not like Stockton. Yeah, I mean, it's like your dad's. Oh, they're playing basketball. Too short. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, that's right. What? Yeah. Full, he, full he court break of, and he's going to How did my dad up? sneak in this game? <laughs> he is like such a plain dude because when they interview him for the documentary, he he j- he's such a normal He still is. Guy. Yeah. Yeah, just, just like how was he? He's and perfect he was so for Salt Lake City. Yeah, yeah. he's yeah. a financial advisor now. I don't know if you guys knew that, <laughs> but go on, Brad. Sorry, no, that's Whatever really I was going to say. So like, <laughs> okay, you're I done. Just, okay. I just remember like going back and and uh, thinking about it. I was like, yeah, I'd never wanted the Bulls to win, and yeah. I can just remember being so disappointed. Yeah, uh, I, I would winning. cheer against them too a lot. Yeah, not, not that I I didn't hate them like. There are teams that I have disliked for sure. I don't, I don't, I didn't dislike the Bulls, but yeah. I always thought, ooh, it would be really cool if the Sonics beat them this time. Yeah, yeah. Well, the documentary, you know, builds some suspense and it's like, ooh, are the Bulls going to be able to do this? Right. But like at the time, I was like, the Bulls are definitely going to do this. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Alabama. Football. No question. It's like, right. oh, but they're probably going to yeah. win. Is there any chance that someone can take them down from their mantle? That was my only yeah. Alabama Auburn reference. I, I definitely. <laughs> do not remember ever rooting against the bulls i had i had there was this uh vhs yeah i'm gonna take us back 90s vhs uh called michael jordan's playground don't record over him uh and it's this weird i don't even know it's not like a movie with like a plot or anything like that but i was just i was obsessed man the whole be like mike era all of that i was like yep wait what was it called i think i remember michael this. jordan's playground it was this weird Maybe mixture not. of like it's about jordan it's like part music video, part about basketball. <laughs> it was this weird '90s thing. I don't know. I need to rewatch it. I'm probably remembering it wrong, but and then I, I of course, Space Jam came yes. out. We should talk about that at some point. Uh, Space not Jam. an incredible movie. Not an incredible movie, but still, I Bill remember, Murray. Yeah. Bill Murray. I watched it and loved it because yeah. it was Michael Jordan. You know, and and you I don't know if any of y'all were in Birmingham during that time because that's the that's when he played baseball for a minute right and i didn't put two and two together for the longest time pretty cool the that Barons. he was in birmingham we're part the of the history yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's it's a thing did did you go see jordan play baseball i don't think i ever did my parents didn't go to really any barons games it wasn't something that they normally did so i don't think i ever went and as far as everybody talking about their favorite teams i I definitely like. I didn't have a favorite basketball team per se. I think it was more like you were talking about about following players. I I had a an NBA. You know, they would do like these big books at the beginning of the year, like a preseason book, and it would have like the rosters of every team. And I was real nerdy, so I would look through. So that's how I found out about all the players. So I'd be like, oh yeah, Ewing or Miller or Jordan or whatever. Um, cause I was mostly like watching college football and maybe some pro football. So, uh, but, and I was born in 87, you were born when 88, 88. So we're around the same time. So I remember more of the, the back half of their yeah. championship run as opposed to like their first three a lot more. But yeah, I was curious, like what, what, after watching this documentary, what are some of your, uh, favorite moments or something that maybe surprised you about it. I don't know. This could go a number of directions, and I don't know who wants to start with this, but because it it could go a lot of different ways. Surpri- surprises uh, uh, after watching it. Sure, or or, or a favorite or favorite a favorite moments, moment from things, watching it, like, stood out well, like something that really stood yeah, out. Yeah, like like when I think about favorite moments, I mean, you so you can go on court and off court, like kind of favorite moments, right? Um, sure. I don't know that the documentary changed any of my favorite 
on-court moments necessarily. So like my favorite on-court Jordan moment of all time, I mean it's it's a giveaway, but you know, I mean it, it's the shot. You know, the like you you can actually look it up on Wikipedia, the shot. Um, <laughs> It's it's from There's the, a lot of shots in basketball. No, so. no, it it is <laughs> the, Which one are you talking it's about? known as the <laughs> shot. It it's from uh game 5 against the Cavaliers in 1989 in uh the first round of the Eastern Conference. So this isn't even like a final, it's not an Eastern Conference final. It's just it was the first time that they're really starting to advance. Yeah. postseason. And it's a buzzer beater Jordan like leaves right. I, I don't even remember who was guarding him but just like it, people will say he pushed him he didn't really even push him i mean his hand was just on it but like leaves him like with broken ankles <laughs> at the at right about the the free throw line and just comes up for this uh beautiful jump shot that beats the buzzer and and after it goes in jordan leaps probably you know 30 feet in the air and just is pumping his fist like crazy. Like it's just this iconic yeah, yeah. basketball moment. And it is one of, I think, the the clearest moments on court of sheer joy, like coming from, right. from Jordan. That's probably my favorite. Is there a sermon coming? On court. <laughs> <laughs> a passionate man. A passionate. Um But I don't know. What what, what about y'all like favorite on court moments? If y'all got you don't got anything that comes to mind specifically. Or you can go off court too. I th- this isn't a specific moment, but I enjoyed when they talk about their early championship run, like the first one where they're it's the Pistons is kind of the the rival. Yeah, and I enjoyed all of that in your face, like how physical the game was, right, and how intense the Pistons were defensively and how they were just kind of dirty. But the refs kind of – it seemed like the way they portrayed it in the documentary that the refs would not let that kind of stuff happen now. Oh, yeah. And and I just – I kind of enjoyed – like I enjoyed how physical it was and how they let them play the game. And just – you just see the the competition at such a high level between all of these guys and how it was personal between – between a lot of these guys. Quick hot take. Do you like or not like Isaiah Thomas? Oh, <laughs> I, I enjoyed watching him play, and I, I never had an issue with him, really. I, I think I think a lot of, a lot of that, uh, it was probably a little bit before I was really watching. Like, like right, when he was right. going up against the Celtics and he was going up against – uh, Magic Johnson. I wasn't watching as much, and but uh, I, th- I I do think it's weird looking back. I, I mean, clearly he rubbed people the wrong way enough to uh, to not be picked for the dream team, and I think it hurt him that that happened. Right. But it's like it wasn't just one guy. Like you can tell. Yeah. yeah he kind of sure. you know laid this foundation of you know, of not being a loved player. Right. And so I, I kind of feel like he chose the path he went down and, you know, it's like, is there a sermon going on here? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I guess I don't feel sorry for him. Right. Uh, I don't dislike him, but I don't feel sorry. I don't feel like he's gotten a bad hand. 
I feel right. like he kind of brought it, it on himself. It seemed like it was pretty universal that a lot of players didn't like him because when right. they, when they talk about the All Star team, it wasn't just Michael Jordan. You know, just him that was like, no, I don't want Isaiah. Right. It was like, everybody. oh, yeah, there's a lot of beef. As yeah, a kid, I never recognized that Dennis Rodman played for the Pistons at that time. Like, I didn't know who Rodman was until right. he came to the right. Bulls. And he wasn't as like crazy Rodman back then. Right, right. Sure. Just he, like, intense and, his hair yeah. was normal. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. He wasn't the worm yet. He wasn't known as the worm yet. So back to uh, like uh, favorite, favorite moments. surprising yeah. Moments. Yeah, moments. I would say like when I. When I thought about uh, just remembering Jordan's career, uh, one of the moments that stood out watching him was definitely the season, the first season he comes back after playing baseball. Because it's this idea of like, like I, I watched him lose to the Magic the, the year before, and there is this idea of, okay, maybe he is human, maybe their you know dynasty won't last forever. So you're really tuning in that next year being like, will they or won't they? Like, it's definitely not a given that they're going to win that uh, 96 year. Right. Um, and all of those playoffs and finals, I was definitely glued to the TV watching every game. And then for that one to finish on Father's Day the way it did was very – even though I didn't love the Bulls, I was like, oh, my gosh, like what a moment. Because, I mean, everybody knows about at that time – you know that his dad has, you know, been murdered. There's this crazy thing happened to him. And then for it to close out, it was such a big championship because it's like, will the Bulls dominate again? Right. Obviously, they had a great season. They won, you know, they had an amazing record. But mm. still, you never know. And then for them to close it out and then to close it out on Father's Day, that stuck with right. me. And then to see it in the documentary with the sound, you never heard him crying like that. Dude, and that yeah, clip that was kind of emotion. super powerful. Dude, I I was actually about to say, like, off-court. That court, episode was incredible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like, off-court moments, it's weird to call it a favorite moment. But but that, that specific shot of Jordan on the floor in the locker room. Yeah. Like, weeping. And I didn't and know heaving. how close he was with his dad. Yeah. Like, and to see that he was at every game and, like, to see clips of his dad and, like, their relationship, I did not really understand. Mm. So that was, like had way more of an impact in that episode seeing that. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, like, watching Jordan growing up as a kid, I, I don't know that I knew much of anything beyond the court. Right. Like, what happened yeah. on the court. And so to kind of get that curtain pulled back a little bit and, and to learn that, I mean, he, he was a fierce competitor who really didn't show much emotion other than the anger and intensity or, you know, joking around having fun. But to see kind of those couple of moments like that one of just that that deep – uh, emotional impact and I don't know like I, watching that moment I'm like man this guy who you kind of build up in your head as beyond human yeah like it's this yeah. moment of human connection yes. like I know that deep grieving yeah so yeah and, for sure. and, and it felt just be, because of the whole Father's Day thing and the moment how big of a moment it was it was another feeling kind of the same feeling I got when this came out during this quarantine is like who is this guy that all these things always work out perfectly? Like his last season, he makes the final shot. Like who it's like a storybook life at every chapter. Right. Like right. Who, what? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's so weird. Mm. Brad, what were some of your favorite moments from the documentary? Well, okay. I'm going to show my ignorance here. So <laughs> 
Jonathan, what shot were you talking about? Were you talking about his shot against the Jazz? Or were you talking about because the push-off... Yeah, because that's from the Jazz, I think, the right? the Jazz with, uh, is it Byron Russell? Oh, sorry. Well, then yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm mixing them up. So. But you're, aren't you Cleveland, talking about... he was in the air moving right to left and hits this kind of like hits a three-pointer. Hits it, and here's my favorite moment on court. The guy defending him, right? Isn't this the one? Just falls to his knees. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Right? And like, just... <laughs> Devastated. And it's, it's that moment where he's done everything he could do on defense, <laughs> and he's put Jordan in this impossible place to make a shot, and Jordan... Incredibly hard shot Jordan to hit. does it. Yeah. And... He just falls to the ground and like, what else could I do? Like, I've had that moment. Not the moment where you make the shot in sports, but the moment where you feel like you've done everything you can do, but the person you're playing is just <laughs> better than you. Yes, yes. No, you're 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 a hundred percent right. A hundred percent right. No, yeah. This is this wasn't the one where he pushed off, but like dude, he still broke I, that I guy's ankles year. and just yeah. left him right Incredible. there. But, but nails it. Yeah. Right to left. <laughs> goes, yeah, and yes. Gosh. But then, uh, yeah, that's that's with the, the Jazz. Just seeing how the documentary shows how tired Jordan was and how Pippen, mm. yes. with his back problems, wasn't really a factor in the game, <laughs> was just kind of a distraction. A lot of hard looks for Pippen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it wasn't just the last shot. Like Jordan had made a basket and uh, to tie the game, I, or uh, to be one back, right in that Utah Jazz game. Yeah, and then right. he stole the ball, made a defensive play. Yeah. Dribbles the ball down the court. Everyone knows yep. that he's going to be the guy. Like they, at this they, point in his career, they don't call the timeout. They, they don't let call it roll. The timeout. Phil Jackson. Yep, lets oh, it roll. Classic. Great coaching move by <laughs> Phil Jackson. We could talk about Phil Jackson. No, we will. We'll right? get to that in just a minute. Um. Yeah, and Jordan goes with Byron Russell, a great defensive player, and makes the move and makes the shot to win. It just it, in incredible i i just i don't understand like how exhausted well well, just i think what blows my mind is everybody knows everybody knows where the ball is going right everybody knows right like you know i'm just like how 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 do you how how do you still make these shots when everyone on the floor knows you're getting the ball everyone knows you're taking the shot yeah like uh, it just blows blows my mind yeah that's that's incredible um, but that, that who, who, what was the name of the guy that was guarding him? You just said it, Russell Byron Russell. Yes, wasn't he the guy that like told Jordan? Yes, uh, when Jordan retired early. Yes, he was like, you know, it? good thing I never got to guard you or whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. something like that. Uh, and Jordan comes back and makes the shot on him. Well, and that's a running theme though throughout yeah. the entire. Don't tick Michael series. Jordan off. Yeah, it's like. If if anyone in the media says, well, this person's better than Jordan or this person's the next Jordan, or he like makes oh, yeah. it his mission to embarrass you. I think <laughs> to just destroy you. I think that just goes to show you like what a competitor and his focus to be able to take anything. You know, like you have somebody that's a, that at the time. You know, let's say he's like five championships in. He's accomplished so much. Like. And to still be able to dig deep and find the motivation yes. to continue, you know, <laughs> just destroying people on the court, like digging for maybe somebody says something offhanded that he takes and he just uses that. I mean, it is a reoccurring theme throughout the entire documentary. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and it begs the question, guys, do you, do you think Michael Jordan was a nice guy? <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of... How do you define a nice guy? <laughs> 
one thing I have thought just watching it, I thought a lot about motivation in general and the subject of motivation because I've probably never seen a more driven athlete than Michael Jordan. It's unbelievable. And like the higher you climb that mountain, the more difficult it is to maintain that intensity. And you can understand anybody who's trying to win their first championship. Obviously there's that hunger. You're a nobody until you reach the top of the mountain. But after you've won two in a row, three in a row, how do you keep that drive? Like very, very few athletes keep that drive. And it just, it blows my mind that he, and I think one thing that was interesting is they tell a story of, uh, I think it was someone that was playing for the wizards that had a good game against him. Oh, right. And (laughs) Jordan told people that this guy at the end of the game said, great game, Jordan, sarcastically or something to yes. to kind of edge him on. And then he comes back and just destroys the Game this guy. after. They did like a back-to-back series. Like but you one, find out yeah. that he made up the story. Did you right, remember yes. that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. apparently it, was a it never totally happened. fake story, and it was like... <laughs> Which is weird that he could be motivated by a fake story yes. that he made up. Yes. But, but like, nonetheless... But I think and I, it's fascinating, because it's like, if you think of like a sprinter who's trying to run faster than anyone in the world and to keep that intensity going, it actually is imagining a fake lion chasing them. You know what I mean? Like he's coming up with these fake scenarios yeah. to just keep driving because he knows he needs it. Right. It's kind of, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Jay, what, no, go ahead. I was just going to ask if JM had a favorite on court moment. Oh, well, I, one of my favorite moments was actually, uh, and this is sort of a, they re- this is a reoccurring thing, theme, I guess, a couple of times throughout his career. But I do love it when other people, when he would elevate his teammates to also have great moments. And and there were times in pivotal uh, situations where he gave the ball to other players and they came through with huge yes. moments. And I think the Steve Kerr, especially, I think that was either episode 10 or 9 where they talk about Steve Kerr's uh three whatever shot that was in the in uh the 97 finals so the basically their fifth championship yeah. and he gets that game winning shot to kind of seal the finals the first time they played the the Jazz um that was pretty incredible and I think you see that too with like uh with the John Paxson shot kind yep. of in their yeah. first three so I thought the, those were always really cool moments because it was like he could make the sh- like he could make any shot that he wanted to, but just still being able to push others and put them in in that position to win, you know, it's pretty incredible. My favorite part yeah. about that uh, moment where he gives Steve Kerr the opportunity to make that shot is not the shot and the play on the court. It's it's Jordan talking to Kerr about it on right. the side on the bench, right. on the bench oh, I got beforehand. You. And he hadn't yeah. made a shot all game. Well but well because Jordan Jordan is uh is aware that cameras are on him all the time and so he's kinda like talking in hushed tones and behind his his Gatorade cup. Because uh, he's used to being in the spotlight, and it's kind of like when you watch baseball and they talk on the mound and they cover their face with a glove, mm-hmm. so that if anybody's watching a monitor on the sideline, they can't see what they're saying, right? And so he's trying to, you know, be conscious of the fact, like I don't, I don't want people to know we're about to give the ball to Steve, uh, but Steve is not used to having the camera on him ever. 
Oh yeah, he doesn't cover his at face. all. He doesn't cover. Yeah. Oh, not only does he not cover his face, he's like screaming. Like Michael he's, basically says, "Hey, Steve, be be ready." And Steve's like, "Oh, be ready, Mike. He's, <laughs> I'll be ready." It's the classic like uncool, uncool guy at the party yeah. that it's has no self awareness at all. Yeah, you know. And George is trying to play cool. Like, yeah, man, I'm gonna get you. He's like, "Yeah, man, I'm gonna be. I'll be right there. I'll be ready." The camera is just right on them the whole time. Oh, I love you it. it. And to you me? see, and you see Jordan's face, Jordan plays it cool the whole time but you can see in Jordan's mind he's probably just cursing Kerr out in his mind like how about Kerr's joke at the end when on the oh, yeah. uh, celebration at the celebration yeah <laughs> how many times did he rehearse that joke right 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 <laughs> so but that that whole conversation though about Jordan elevating his teammates and yeah. then your whole conversation Andrew about like his drive that's brought up one of the things I've been reflecting on that I think is is really interesting to to think about is that uh, that contrast between athletes who are good because of how driven they are, and then and then athletes who are good just based on raw talent, and then the rare opportunity when those two things meet, and I think that's what you have in Jordan. Why he was so great is because, yeah. I mean, he's got just crazy raw talent, and then he's crazily driven as well. Because you can see other players like Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr's driven. Yeah. works his tail off he's never going to have the talent of jordan but but he's going to make it yeah. in the nba because he works so hard and then you remember jordan talking about uh who, who was the teammate he talked about that was talented but he had to push scott burrell scott, scott burrell. burrell he's always picking on burrell yeah scott. But, uh, because he was a very talented player yeah. but he didn't go as hard and so jordan's constantly constantly pushing him and so I, I don't know i've just been reflecting on on that like the difference yeah. between drive and talent and then it, it, are these players that we see as so great? Is it because those two things come together and meet? I, I think there's something to that for yeah. sure. Okay, speaking about on the court, off the court, I don't know if you guys have off the court moments that uh, you want to talk about, but mine for off the court moment was I love that Michael Jordan loves golf so <laughs> yeah, you do. much yeah, you do. as a golfer. Um, and one of my favorite stories about that from the documentary was when it came to the Dream Team and him playing on the Dream Team. He said one of the stipulations was that he had to be able to play golf every day. <laughs> and so I was listening to a golf podcast a golf podcast because that's that's the cool <laughs> things that I do in my free time um, and they were talking about uh, they were uh, interviewing David Robinson and David Robinson was talking about he was on the dream team and he was talking about how he'd go out and play golf with Jordan and so he'd play 18 holes and then Jordan would be like alright man let's go play another 18 and David's like man we got a game tonight <laughs> and he's like no it's good it's good and so Jordan would play 36 holes which is a lot I, I mean Golf isn't the most demanding sport, but still, that can be that can be tiring. So Jordan would play that, and then he would go to the game and put up like 30, 40 points in the game, and then he would go back to the hotel, and he would spend the entire night playing cards and gambling till like 3, 4 a.m. So and then much he would, energy. He would wake up and do it all over again. And so that kind of energy, like for me, just getting out of bed and like getting to work <laughs> – yeah. making it home and turning on the TV is exhausting. I just can't fathom having that type of 
energy, but I do love that Jordan loves the game of golf so much just and continues to play. And I think he either has a golf course or he's building a golf course in, oh, wow. in Florida. Of course. Yeah. So. My, my favorite golf moment. And I don't remember when it was, but they're, I, I think it's he and Scotty. Uh, they're, they're leaving, I think, the United Center. I don't remember. They're leaving some place. And, yeah. and George just, like, continually shoving the media off, shoving the media off, just being. Yeah, it was after that jazz win, right? Yeah, he's, he's like, he's like we got to go. He's got a tea time. He's got a tea time. <laughs> yeah. and, and, like, it may be Scotty. I don't remember who it was, oh, the teammate yeah, yeah. that's going with him, is, like, trying. But he's also kind of communicating with the media. And Jordan gets on the bus and just starts laying on the horn. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's awesome. got a tea time. Let's go. <laughs> Well, that same kind of energy came out when uh, he was filming Space Jam. They talked right. about how he yeah. would play these pickup games. Or, he, no, he would go into the studio first and Right, he'd film. film and, all day. and Warner Brothers built him his own gym uh, yep. workout facility because he was trying to transition back to... Well, I guess he didn't really. I guess he hadn't returned to basketball yet because he, he had. He was he going played, to return he, though. Yeah, he was going to return, and he had played ba- baseball and worked out and all this stuff. And so, yeah. Anyways, I, yeah. I don't. I don't know if you guys remember the movie, the, the the movie Space Jam, but like it actually ends with his return to the Bulls, like oh. that, like. Space Jam is is a, like it's a fictional plot. I don't know if you guys they knew that because Bugs Bunny. Is whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> Wait a minute. Does, the Monsters are not real. Yeah, yeah, it's not real. I, that's not a real team. It's, it's the Monsters. Right, I need to do some research. But but they basically the fictional plot gives you the reason he returns to basketball, like mm. why he comes back. So, oh right, mm. and and they find him on a golf course. I think is in the yeah. movie yeah. something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they pull him down the golf hole. <laughs> yeah, they into, do. Into Toon Land. Yeah, they do. One of my favorite uh, off the court moments. This can be really quick, but uh, this was really special to me because as a kid of the '90s, I grew up watching uh, professional wrestling, like WCW. <laughs> I was a huge WCW fan. I loved. Yeah, I loved the NWO, Hulk Hogan, Lex Luger, Sting, like all those guys. I loved so much. And Blonde so, flat top Sting. Yeah, that was great. Well, <laughs> black and white Sting was cool though, where he was like up in the rafters the whole time and carried around the baseball bat. But anyways, um, I, I could go. I could do watch. my own podcast about WCW. <laughs> um, but anyways, when they they in this documentary they show Rodman in the middle of the finals, yeah. in the '98 finals against oh. the Jazz. Rodman disappears. Nobody knows where he's at. They're like, where's Rodman? He didn't show up to practice today. Turn on TNT. Yeah, he's not hiding it. And he walks out because they used to film. What was great about WCW is it was live. Like WWF at the time, they were called WWF. They would tape a lot of their Monday night shows and just air it later. WCW was live, so it was happening in the moment. And Hulk Hogan, Hollywood Hulk Hogan at the time, walks out, and Dennis Rodman <laughs> is with Hulk Hogan. I don't even know where they were, like what city they were in, but he just shows up with Hogan. And basically Rodman, uh, they don't show this in the documentary, but he has this whole offshoot thing that happens with the NWO where they get um, Dennis Rodman does a tag team match with Hollywood Hogan versus – Carl Malone. What? Carl Malone no did a had a match no too way. with I can't remember who maybe Lex Luger. I can't remember who the other guy was. Diamond Dallas Page maybe. I can't remember. <laughs> but that was the that was the pay per view match. That was. <laughs> yeah, that's wow. was so I I loved getting to see all that and kind of relive a little bit of that childhood. My favorite <laughs> moment of that was Phil Jackson, <laughs> where right, the media is right, like, "Do yeah. you know where he is?" <laughs> 
Do you know where Rubman is? Was he at practice? He was not at practice. <laughs> should we talk about Phil a little bit? No, we should cool definitely guy. talk about definitely Phil talk Jackson. About Phil. He's kind of a hippie. I didn't really know that. I, I started learning that in some documentaries I'd seen, but when I was watching it when I was younger, he was just like the bearded guy on the bench. Right. Like I had no idea what his right. personality was. But the guy was kind of like a little bit of a hippie, kind the, of an the outside Eastern, the box guy. The Eastern philosophies a little bit on Very meditation and yeah. like centering yourself and that yeah. kind of thing. My favorite contrast with all of that, though, is that, you know, the, they'll talk a lot about him being into the Eastern like transcendentalism and that kind of thing. And, and he would bring aspects of that into the way he coached, like with the let the past go, don't think about the future, just be present in the moment, all, all of that kind of stuff. But it gives you this idea that he's like this Zen Buddhist hippie. But then you get the mic in the huddles on the sideline, and like he he gets oh yeah cursing he gets just teams, as bringing it as, <laughs> as, just as like at the end of the day yeah he was into all that but I mean he was a competitor too yeah I he mean he played yeah for the Knicks and and back in those days I feel like the the crowds were smaller you didn't get as much money for being in the NBA and I think they were rough. I was just I think the fans were rough right. to the players. I think right. I think anything went kind of back when <laughs> when he was a uh, on the team, you know. So I don't want to get off Phil Jackson too much, but once again showing my ignorance, who was the coach that uh, taught the triangle? That Phil was, was always kind of in the background of Phil. You'd see they, it always in they shots. They talk about Who it. They that? talk about him was being he a ge- professional or college. I can't, they talk about it in the documentary. And Phil, early on, that's yeah. like Phil the first talks about him being a genius and how Phil took that and adapted it a little bit. Right. I, but I, I can't remember that coach's name, but I mean, here's the impact. I think the point. That's the point I'm trying to make. Well, well, the <laughs> right. impact of that goes beyond the Bulls. By the time I got to high school, everybody was running the triangle. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, like you, that, that you was better, if ran. the Chicago yeah. Bulls ran it, you better run that that offense, right? Yeah. It's so successful. So, like, did you find a major it? Did you find fact? It? Yeah, Tex Winter. Yeah, 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 yeah Where What team that was. It, but he, he was with the Bulls. Yeah, he was. Because he was trying. The the, the, I forget the coach's name that preceded Phil Jackson as the head coach. Uh, right. right. But Winters was already there trying to convince him to run the triangle. And, and he wouldn't do it. Yeah. Phil, it seems that Phil had this ability. Once again, I don't know what I'm talking about. But <laughs> we're not experts. I have we're just no idea. Out. But it, it just out. seems like Phil has this ability to coach and work with really difficult people. Whether yeah. it's a player, whether it's another coach, yeah. whether it's the general manager. Right. He's, I don't know what it is, but he's able to do that. Managing egos. Like well, with the Lakers. Yeah. That was probably yeah. more oh, difficult. Kobe versus Shaq. Yeah. Well, how do you keep them together? And what I mean, how many championships did he have with the Lakers? Five. Five. So Five. I was gonna I was gonna bring that up briefly. Um, I looked I looked this up just to make sure I was getting my stats right. So Phil Jackson wins six with the Bulls, five with the Lakers, eleven total. He has more championships than any other coach in NBA history. The Crazy. second second closest has nine championships. Mm. So I think it's Who's sa- the second closest. I I I don't know. I didn't I know, know who was. Um, uh, so I think it's safe to say, like, greatest NBA coach ever, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't yeah. think there's anybody. He won 11 championships, had runs at two different teams, at right. two different franchises. Um, it's pretty incredible. Yeah. No, I I mean, I, I don't think you can argue with with the stats. Whoever that coach is, it, it wouldn't surprise me if it was the coach of the Celtics back in the – I didn't, think that's who – Didn't well, the Celtics in the 50s, like, have a – 10-year or 11-year run or something. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, whoever, it was, know that. whoever it was, they only <laughs> won nine. We should know everything. 
Um, it's pretty incredible. So, so should we talk about Jerry Krause for yeah. a second? Yeah. Oh. S- who 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 picked Phil Jackson to be the coach, right. which was an unpopular decision. Yeah. He right. made some decisions, but but he definitely did that. What's the final word? He made on this decisions. Guy? I think this is great. There there are a number <laughs> of characters that are presented. For those who haven't seen the documentary, there's a number of great characters that are presented throughout this whole thing, and one of the characters who's very much. <laughs> Uh, presented as a villain is Jerry Krause, who was the general manager of the Chicago Bulls during this whole run, bef- and and obviously before the run began. So when did when did he start? It was it was in the eighties, but he wasn't there when Jordan was drafted. So he didn't draft Jordan. He no, did. They, he came pretty soon afterwards. Right. Um, so he's presented as a villain throughout this whole thing, where basically there are so many moments on caught on camera of Pippen and Jordan and the players just, I mean, just it's beyond this. It'll stunt your growth. (laughs) It's beyond picking on someone. I would say it's beyond that. It is like straight up (laughs) bullying almost. Well, that's the thing. While, while they, while he is presented as a a villainous character, right? uh, Like they do make him like they, they try to get you, they garner some sympathy for him along the way, you know, because they're like, Dude, this guy did withstand some treatment that was, you know, undeserved. Yes. And and it was over the top and and all of that. But I definitely think in it, it, it's it's a I think it's a a little bit of a balanced presentation because they're going to say but he also was vindictive because of the way he was treated. You know, that there was there was wrong and fault on both sides. I, I feel like they they said that like but early on there's the quote i think it might have been after the first championship that he says ah it's the organization wanted i mean i mean i mean we have he wanted players he wanted the credit it's the greatest organization in the world but wasn't the actual didn't it get misquoted uh by the media well you see the the video of him saying that but in the in the quote i think the quote the actual quote, though, where he wanted it qualified or whatever, was something like "players alone even don't still, win." Because because I think still. it got quoted as "players don't win championships, organizations do." And he was saying "players alone." When you got Michael Jordan, I get it. I get it. <laughs> just trying to That's let the something. guy. Just trying to let the guy have it's a not voice. Nothing. Yeah. Just trying to let, which is interesting. Like I, I do wonder how it would have changed the documentary if Kraus were still alive. And he'd have been interviewed today. Mm. Like I wonder how, what his. I mean, there's no way to know. I don't, That's just what right. is. But I, I wonder feel, what his estimation. I feel of things like would have been. I feel like it would have been interesting to hear his take. Now I do feel like because Jordan was closely linked, uh, I think two of the two of the two of his business partners are heavily involved in the making of this film, which is why, while I feel like you get. You do, you definitely are getting Jordan's take on everything, right? Like they're basically they're interviewing players throughout this thing, and then if there's something that's slightly controversial, they're showing him. He gets yeah, a chance. He gets video. a chance to rebuttal. So it's which very, is kind of great. It's very much it's, his documentary. <laughs> to see him watch it. It's very much yes. his documentary. So I even feel like if Kraus were, were alive, there would oh, be sure. there would be those moments of. But they the give rebuttals uh, the other Jerry a chance. Jerry owner, Reinsdorf. He has a chance to definitely say his point of view. For sure. Yeah. Let's talk about that because at the end of episode 10, they don't spend too much time on this. But obviously, a part of the reason why Krauss is, I guess, villainized is because the the whole last season that the Bulls are together, 
it's kind of from the from the get go. He, he is he saying broke up the team. He's man. saying he's the Yoko Ono of the Beatles, right? <laughs> yeah, that's great. He is saying like uh, Phil Jackson's gone, and all these like he we're just going to rebuild. Go, we're going to rebuild. Yeah, un, if you, even if you don't miss lose a game all season, you still won't be the coach next year. Right from the get go. So he's villainized in that way, and it's interesting when they get to the end. Uh, post them winning the sixth championship and then with Jordan kind of reflecting back, which I guess like in hindsight you could probably reflect differently than maybe he felt in the moment. Mm. But, I mean, he was like if there's no reason why they shouldn't have let the team try to to stay together to, to get a seventh championship. I mean, do you guys – it's an interesting hypothetical. It's, I mean, is it's it money? In yeah, the it's a bi- it's a business decision. Money in the future of the organization. Yeah, but how much money do you lose from not having that? I, s- that the next year, I wasn't saying it's a good business <laughs> decision. <laughs> yeah. I was the just saying year, like that's what it is. I just it's, it does kind of blow my mind that they and and who knows like they might have. I mean, it's no guarantee they would have won four in a row. They yeah. might have lost the next year. Well, real yeah. quick side note on that, because I was listening to the, there's a great podcast that you should listen to, Bill Simmons podcast, where they uh, do they do what we're doing now, but probably much better, where they talk about the last. <laughs> I dance. would probably say definitely much better. <laughs> he, they were saying that they were hypo, They did a hypothetical on this. The season after they win their sixth championship was actually a shorter season. There oh, was, right. There was um, the, the players kind of were, were on a strike, I guess. Yes. And so they played a 50-game season over the course of like three months. Um, the Spurs end up winning the title that year. They had David Robinson and Tim Duncan. Yeah. They had a great team. Um, and so they were saying that it basically, because it was a shorter season – it probably would have hurt like an older Bulls team, you know, to kind of make it through the playoffs like they did. But you never, but you never know. They they yeah. said that they didn't think that they would. And you look at win the Pacers. The, the Pacers were only getting better, you know, right. like how they went to seven games, you know, right on that uh, 98, 97-98 season, right. So they might have come back, and it would have been tough. But yeah. it's just so weird that you don't allow for that, you don't allow it the to first game of that yeah. season to, for that stadium to oh. be like losing their minds for that music to play and to be returning three P champion. You know, how do yeah. you not give your city so, that experience? Yeah. Well, Man. It, as much as, as much as the whole thing does like stink and you can even tell Jordan in the documentary, he, he would have loved, he's like, you know, we all would have loved a chance to go for number seven and all of that. And as much as Kraus was a, jerk with the way he said things at the beginning of the season and and all of that there is still something i think that was unique about the fact they all knew this is the last run yeah like we we know it the whole season it just it changes the dynamic of how you interact of of how you're soaking in these moments and and i think it, it maybe even affect i mean so it affects to a great deal the footage we get and the documentary that we get and all of that. Like, so there is something neat about them knowing, yeah, this is our last time together. This is our last shot at this. Mm. And his, I think his legend is, uh, even more like benefited by leaving on such a high note twice. Right. You know, right. 
I mean, yeah, you never, ex- right. you never experienced this. We're just all going to pretend the wizards well, thing never happened. Well, that's yeah, the thing. <laughs> if that was the last dance, yeah, what is the, the wizards like? The awkward encore. Because we know like, oh, wait, wait, wait. it didn't happen. It didn't we happen. know. We know he returns later. We know the story. So it's like he he would have kept like if they gave yeah. him the opportunity, given the finances, you know, they would have had to give Pippen a massive contract, right? But I don't. I don't know they if would they would have made the money. Back, I don't know though. if they would have kept Rodman. I'm not sure, like how that yeah. how that would have panned out. And then you have kind of these other role players that maybe would have wanted an increase in their salaries too. But I feel like some of those guys, the opportunity to play with Jordan again, I feel like they would have like Just Jordan one said, year contract, they would have done like it. Said, like yeah. Kerr, all those guys, I think Kerr went done to the Spurs again. and did win it. That's right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, what do you think? What do you think? are the the worst decisions that Jerry Krause made. <laughs> Wait, before we do that, before we do that, I want to say this before I forget it. My one of my favorite non like Jordan related moment or whatever in the documentary is actually I don't remember which episode it was, but it's the way the episode begins and it begins with a uh, a, a media um a press conference with Jerry Krause. And I don't even remember what question the guy asks or what. Do y'all remember this moment? This guy asked him some question to which Jerry's just like, that's ridiculous. That's rude. And he gets mad and he walks out. He like insults the guy and walks out. But the documentary hangs. The room is silent. And then you just hear this one reporter go like, way to go, Ken. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for ruining it for all of us. That's hilarious. It's like my favorite. Like I died laughing. That was funny. Um, anyway, but worst decisions Jerry Krause made. I mean, obviously, we've already talked about you know his announcing that he's breaking the team up and and all of that at the beginning of. of so night, I but there were up, several others. Yeah, I looked up mm. when he left the Bulls. He left in two thousand three. So you got about five years there to 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 prove, and, hey, I'm I'm the real genius. Did and they have a <laughs> did they had anything happen. It was pretty dismal, right? No, like it was it not was, good. Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean. I think the way there's there's nothing wrong with bringing on someone like Tony Kukoc and some of these other guys. Yeah, that was a good move. It's, it's yeah, that was kind of him, right? Yeah, but I mean, yeah, he was the way he, was he did it. Coach. It kind of felt like he was acting like this guy is gonna change our team for you know what I mean. It, he would be overly that, hyped about some of these guys. That was another one of those situations where, where they, Jordan Jordan knew that that was awesome. Like, <laughs> Krause was after Ku coach, and so they're like, "We're gonna just destroy." Him. In the Olympics, yeah, <laughs> yeah. In the Olympics, they just destroy them. Yeah, you interview great. they interview Ku coach, and he's like, "I didn't know anything. I didn't have <laughs> four guys. I didn't have anything against these guys. I was I, just uh, over here in my war torn country, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, taking yeah, right. care of my family. Why won't they like me? <laughs> hey, teammate. <laughs> oh no, yeah. I, but I mean, I think that one of the worst decisions that. Krause made was just the interaction with Scottie Pippen over his contract. Yeah, and not yeah, making that was him feel valued. You know, that, yeah, I, I, it definitely blows my mind. I mean, we've talked about it before, just like in our own conversations. But it's like when Jordan came back from baseball, he got a massive contract. I mean, it was like mm-hmm. like none other that we've seen, right? So, and for Pippen to to be the second best player and to not. I don't know, just be valued or to not feel valued by the team yep. and the management there. That was, yeah, that w- those were definitely bad decisions. 
Because, I mean, what if they could have, like, even if Jordan left after 98, I mean, maybe they could have held on to Pippen. Maybe yep. they could have tried to, like, because even without the Jordan. The lack of effort was surprising that he right. wouldn't even really try yeah. to, like, like one, it's so hard to assemble the kind of team, even, like, the best, you know, managers like that. It's just so difficult because there's, there's also, like, players getting old. You know, there's there's trying to hit all these different talent at their at the right time in their career and at the right you know price points and when you finally have maybe you know the best team ever to not even put effort into keeping them together is like bizarre like it really is well andrew here's a question maybe you can offer your two cents can there ever be another team like the bulls in kind of the modern NBA like can the core of a team stay together for that long for a like run. with the coach right with well the I mean, loyalty I factor has changed the idea of like I'm sticking yeah. with this city no like, matter. like yeah. Shaq going to LA was very rare for a star that big who yeah. basically the magic was his thing and then it'd switch in his prime. Right. Right. Nowadays, that's very common. You know, it yes. happens all the time. But but Jordan, I think part of his competitiveness was that that red jersey with the Bulls' face on it. Right. Was going to always be the intimidating team, like he associated himself with the organization. Yes. Totally. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I would say Golden State maybe is the closest thing I've seen in kind of like the modern era as far as like uh, uh, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson have definitely their entire career is basically with that Jersey, with that city. Yeah, that's true. They've s- stayed together. They've built it up. And Steve Kerr is the coach. Steve Kerr. Know? Right. And when they had Durant, which Durant is not an example of loyalty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But when he was there, which I actually, I don't like how, in some ways, unfair that was when they had that many good players. Mm. That team may may have been one of the most talented teams in the history right, of the yeah. NBA. I mean, that was an incredibly talented team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in general, I do feel like Golden State does have a, a certain amount of loyalty that, like, like Clay Thompson could go to another team and be paid pretty well, you mm. know. Um, but otherwise, I don't know any that have. I mean, the Heat held together for a certain amount of time when you had LeBron and uh you know his friends with them and they're dominating stuff yeah, yeah but yeah. not it didn't last that long didn't and last as soon as they kind of were coming off the mountain he immediately leaves right. for Cleveland so yeah i just i feel like it it uh affects the kind of superstar status of some of these players like if there's a player that's just in one like imagine LeBron would be in Cleveland this entire time See, like i mean that's I, yeah. just a very Jordan different narrative would have, for I him think. yeah yeah, I mean, speaking I of LeBron, I do hope that this documentary puts a nail in the coffin. <laughs> is that a generational of, thing? Of who no, is I the d- goat? I do want to be some sensitive to younger <laughs> listeners. I don't. It shades. I don't. Listen, if you think that LeBron James <laughs> is here. better than Michael Jordan, you're wrong. Yeah. You're just wrong. Listen, we'll embrace diversity in a lot of ways, but not here. I draw the line. Wow. Michael Jordan is Jonathan a goat. just made a lot of people angry. He's I, a goat. I do feel like his time with the Miami Heat, if if he was a Jordan type personality and a driven type person, I feel like it would have been an easy four and O. They would have four rings from 
every year together. And for them to have lost the first year to the Maverick, I don't think Jordan – Jordan knows the whole world is watching you, knows that everybody hates you for leaving Cleveland. He's not going to lose that year. You know, he's not going to lose any of the years. Right, he's going to dig deep. He's going to win every single one and prove yeah. that, you know, I don't care what you say. And for them to win two out of four is not a Jordan personality type. Like, right. like for him to have lost – the ones he did in Cleveland, okay, fine. The team had not been developed yet. Right. But I don't think there's really an excuse for the Miami team. I mean, it was like an all-star team. Right. Um, and then for them to go back and forth with, with the Spurs, it just – Jordan would not have allowed that to happen. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think that being the greatest of all time, like, goes beyond even just stats. Yeah. You know, like, there's so much more to it than that. I mean – Babe Ruth, like every record the guy ever set has been broken. No one will ever replace him. Yeah. You know, and I think that the same is true for Jordan. Culturally, he, yeah. Yeah, yeah mm. for sure. On the subject of who's the GOAT, I, I looked up some stats, and this is this is really, really interesting, and I think this this goes to show you, like, not only on the court, but just your significance and your impact culturally. Michael Jordan's shoes. Okay, check this out. Today, like today, wow. sell two times as many pairs as every current NBA player combined. Wow. Combined. So we're talking about Steph Curry, LeBron James, uh, James Harden, like, you yeah. Know, Ky- Kyrie Leonard, like all these guys, and think of the. Brand. Wait, are we talking about his shoe? Like, do those guys his have a shoes. shoe line? Everybody has their own shoes. Everybody, like everybody a shoe line or just one shoe. That's true because Jordan has at least twenty. <laughs> I don't Jordans. know why. I didn't mean to they're challenge. Still, they're still, Jordans they're still Jordans though. They're still Air Jordans. Like they're his shoe. Like they're the. They are the Air Jordans. Everybody has their own like shoe deals. Well, basically, think yeah, about yeah. think about Nike as a brand. The swoosh, what it meant, especially in the nineties. Yeah, that it, was pretty crazy. What it meant, and for when he, when Jordan signed that deal, they were a nobody. Nobody wore that shoe, did, yeah. especially oh, did, in basketball. Track, he, track he, didn't, he didn't want it. Nike. He no wanted, connection to basketball. He wanted uh, Adidas. Adidas. He wanted Adidas. Yeah, yeah. Adidas and is for, like, <laughs> and that's the thing. That, <laughs> dang it! That's the power of his brand and who he was that could take something like Nike and make it what it is. And like today, for I guess for LeBron to have. To be signed with Nike and to have his own, you know, LeBron's, it's it's not a fair comparison. Right. If, if LeBron went to like Puma or something random, right, and and turned that into a bigger brand than Nike, right, mm. then culturally you're like, yes, culturally you have surpassed. But okay, yeah. another thing, LeBron picks the number twenty three. Yeah, yeah, he Again, picks that it's number. Like, if, right. Okay, so what's the most uh, memorable number, maybe even in sports? Twenty three. Right. Like like does. How many random people on the street know Scottie Pippen's number? Right. Even know Kobe's number. I think maybe they know Kobe now because of this. And he year. had two numbers. Kobe had two numbers. Like, do right? people know yeah. the Shaq's number? I Jordan think technically 32. had two numbers. A lot of people don't know Shaq's number. You know, even though he's a huge name. But like for LeBron to not pick his Shaq's own number. and to make it rival that number, yeah, it's like yeah, that was kind of an interesting move. Still, okay, you know? so when when Jordan signed with Nike. That first year, it was what two hundred and fifty thousand oh, dollars. Wow. Best investment Nike ever for made for how many years? Was it just one I year? I don't know. 
Well, when LeBron James came into the league and signed with Nike, he got a $90 million deal <laughs> over seven years. Wow. And Things I think recently changed. they're saying it, uh, his deal that he signed, this is back in like 2016, I'm reading this article. This could all be wrong. I don't know. But <laughs> it said it was worth more than a... One billion. I, I think my, my favorite stat uh, when Jordan signs the the Nike deal in, in, is they say that they hope to sell like three million dollars worth of shoes oh, by wow. the end of yeah. like year five or something like that. And by the end of year one, they've sold one hundred and twenty six million dollars <laughs> worth yeah. of shoes. Yeah, it's amazing. Those those first Jordan ones were pretty high. Pretty Begs high. the question: <laughs> Would 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 Gatorade be? Maybe th- not. You know, yeah. McDonald's. Yeah, right. So basically, we're blaming. Michael Jordan for America's obesity problem. Well, you and you look well, <laughs> culturally. I'm just kidding. Just to, just to show a comparison, I would say culturally, the next athlete to kind of take on that level, I would say, is Tiger Woods. Yeah, for who sure. Comes Definitely. in, comes in right at the last championship. He's winning the Masters, right. 97, 98, and talk about a brand and uh, yeah for the country totally. Nike golf is not a thing before Tiger Woods it's totally. laughable it's not a presence and then after that it just you know it invades golf it invades know? golf and then when Tiger walks away Nike stops making golf clubs and just goes to making apparel like it couldn't be wow. sustained without, without Tiger Woods and even to this day when Tiger Woods is playing in a tournament the viewership increases yes. by some insane number oh, i don't yes. have the stat but all, all of the listeners need to know that the moment Andrew said Tiger Woods, Brad's eyes lit up, and he was <laughs> so excited to I talk. Mean, finally, <laughs> something to contribute to the conversation. I mean, that first year he won the Masters, didn't he win it by like t- 10 strokes or something? Like, he destroyed. Uh, or was I, it the second time? It, it was a major championship. I don't think it was the Masters that first time. But, yeah, he did. He did win, a, uh, I think it was a U.S. Open. He came like in there, strokes. yeah, and everyone's saying like, no one's ever going to do that again. Yes, it it was like, who is this guy? What in the world? And like, no, totally, no one was hitting their drives. It, it yeah, was a let's new talk about this for the next forty five minutes. For a par four, I'm ready to go. No, to be treated no, like a part three. Not as impressive. It's not as impressive. You want to make you want to make his shots impressive as Jordan's shots. Let let somebody defend Tiger Woods. Let somebody try to block him. So <laughs> speaking of, wow, that's a really good point. I haven't thought about that. I'm just being a punk <laughs> all right speaking of viewership real quick uh i read this on the internet so it could not be true but here, here's what they say uh the 98 the 1998 game six finals game utah jazz versus chicago bulls is the most watched nba game ever for ratings oh wow most watched nba game ever games Did- game six of the 98 finals that's wild um, which and then it, I think there was a caveat in terms of like how many people watch the Dream Team play, but that's not really an NBA. Was that the Father's Day NBA. game? Uh, the '98? I don't think so. Oh, you said '98. No, 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 the '98 the, like, is supposedly the most watched. Oh, in, the '98. Right. Well, '98 game six. Everybody knew oh, game six. it was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because of the way the year had unfolded, everybody yes. knew it was the last. It was the last dance. dance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's pretty incredible. I mean, and, they, and they've never really the NBA has never really been able to recover from how successful the '90s were. I mean, maybe there was a peak, maybe maybe they had some more success with like Kobe and that kind of thing, but I don't think they've ever really recovered since then. Right. I mean, the '97 '98 season because of the comments of Jerry Krause and everybody knowing this was going to be the last dance. Do you remember? I I don't remember in the doc they said how quick the tickets sold out for the entire season. Oh yeah! Like <laughs> right, when they yeah, opened they the the, the ticket remember. booth, it was it was ridiculously fast that they just completely sold out. 
But I mean, and I think all of these things just testa- testify to the fact that Jordan, greatest of all time. Okay, real quick, let's play a guessing game, and then we can wrap up here in just a second. Um, I looked up some net worths of some people. I want you guys to guess what what some of these people's net worths are. Okay, their net worth today. Their net worth today. Their net worth today. Okay. 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 Uh, everybody can get a guess if you want. Okay. Uh, what do you think Steve Kerr's net worth is today? Ooh. Steve Kerr. I need he played played for the Bulls. He won he won five championships as a player and has won five. three and has won three titles at Golden State as a head coach. Five hundred million. Uh, I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say fifty million. Oh wow, Jonathan. Fifty million and one dollar, Bob. <laughs> Oh, way high. 50 million. <laughs> okay. 50 million now, once dollar. again, this is internet research. So, uh, Steve Kerr net worth today thirty five million dollars. Oh, I'm gonna oh. dial it back down a little bit. <laughs> dial it back down. <laughs> Andrew over there with half a billion. All right. Okay. All right, Dennis Rodman. Dennis he Rodman. He was right about the Masters. Much though. less. He Dennis, was right about Tiger and the Masters. Dennis Robbins' net worth today. He won five. I think he won five championships in the NBA. Three at the Bulls, and he uh, he was also led the NBA seven consecutive years in rebounds per game. Less than Kerr, I definitely. What do you think? Say. What do you think? Give me a number. Nine million. Okay. Uh, Andrew. Twelve million. One dollar, Bob. And co- according to the internet. Five hundred thousand dollars. Yikes! Oh, wow! Ding ding ding! I win. According to the internet. So his trips to North Korea. It's costly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Scotty Pippen. A cheap plane ticket. Scotty Pippen. Where's his net worth? It's more than Kerr. What was Kerr again? Thirty. Thirty-five it's million. Like Thirty-five, according to the internet. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go for Scotty. I'm gonna go one twenty-five. One hundred twenty-five million. Net worth, Scotty Pippen. 25. I'm going to say 50. Less than Kerr. 50 million. Oh. 50 million. Ding, 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 Good ding, job, ding, ding, ding. Nailed it, Brad. <laughs> Phil Jackson, net worth. Phil Jackson. 11 NBA championships. And he had that weird job with the Knicks <laughs> recently. <laughs> what, what was that? He got fired. Oh, yeah. He was like the. I think he was, was he the, the GM? He was. And they tried to bring him in to have some success, and yeah, it just. It was sad. Yeah. 75 mil. 50 74 mil 70 million <laughs> he went under yeah. he went, once again this is according to the internet so and, who knows and, right so Andrew, it's, it's Andrew wins right. on Price is Right rules though because you can't go over okay oh. you can't you can't go over so that's why, that's why I oh, yeah. the one dollar oh, that's true oh, nice. Michael Jordan's net worth Michael Jordan the greatest NBA player of all time 600 million okay I'm gonna say a billion Okay. Ah, should have gone higher. One billion and one dollar, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to say two billion, but I went with one. Okay, well, check this out. Before I tell you, when he played as a player, he made less total. He made less than one hundred million dollars as a player. But like the endorsements. In terms of, I'm not talking the about the endorsements. I'm just, just talking about his NBA basketball contract. Space Jam Bulls, wasn't free. Okay? We're not talking about Space Jam. We're not talking about endorsements. According to the internet, Michael Jordan's net worth today is estimated at two point one billion dollars. Two billion. Should have said two. Two point one billion. Now that documentary richest, is probably three billion. Richest athlete, I think, ever. Wow. 
Let that sink in. $2.1 billion a basketball player. Guys, the Jordan Jumpman (laughs) logo can be seen in college football now. I would think it would be a soccer player. Like in terms of athletes? Yeah. Maybe currently. Maybe Maybe like current highest paid athletes. Maybe he's not the most – maybe he's not the the athlete with the most net worth. I'm not sure. I wonder where the majority – the majority of it has to come from. Jordan shoe line. Tiger, Tiger probably has massive net worth, right? Tiger Woods. Yeah. His is up there. Yeah, he did take a big hit. When, a hit. when everything happened. When everything happened. Yeah. He doesn't you don't good. see people walking around with look. tigers on their feet. Guys, when I was uh, uh <laughs> I, I, <laughs> Classic. I uh there was an email that went around, um, like everybody forwarded. You remember when people used to do that? Um <laughs> And it was about my how much money Michael Jordan made. It was in I think it was in his last season, um, and it went through all these different stats. And I found it. I've pulled it up. And uh, now it was, is this like including everything, like it, endorsements and everything? I'm or this not, is just, I'm not. A, I think it was just okay. probably just his his contract. But it was comparing him to Bill Gates. Oh sure. And it was kind of like this athletes versus nerds kind of thing. And so it it threw out statistics like this. Jordan will make over $300,000 a game, $10,000 a minute, assuming he averages 30 minutes. Uh, Assuming $40 million in endorsements, he'll be making $178,000 a day, working or not. Uh, Assuming he sleeps seven hours a night, he makes $52,000 every night. Uh, And it just kind of runs through all of these different going with this different things and then it <laughs> and it's just trying to make you like be oh my goodness jordan makes so much money and and it ends by saying jordan will only have to have his income for 270 more years to have a net worth equivalent to that of phil gates wow that's what i thought it was going nerds wow. rule <laughs> gates trying to dunk on him do your homework kids oh man but yeah but a one-on-one never, a yeah. one-on-one between bill gates and <laughs> but, michael jordan on the court yeah right if you, if you want to be in a video game yeah yeah There's no way gates has ever smoked a cigar yeah and think about this <laughs> think cool about way. this bill gates you know the microsoft computers but apple is way more of a brand than ways, even he's kind of a you know loser. what i mean <laughs> like if you're if you're if you're comparing brands like Jordans and right. Apple are far more and superior. Internet Explorer? No, sir. <laughs> Not here. Well, PowerPoint? Guys, no. Keynote, please. I don't, is there anything else to say? I, I don't know. This oh, there's... This has been awesome. I think, I think there's hours so and hours of stuff left to yeah. say. I think this might open up a new conversation. I, okay. So I, I don't want it to. <laughs> but I just think closing thoughts w- for Jordan is... Since the documentary has come out, there's been a lot of criticism about his character or him being a jerk. And I think when you look at Jordan, you can look at him as a competitor, him as a basketball player, and you can bask in that and you can talk about how awesome it was. And then you can look at the character flaws and say like, oh yeah, I'm not praising that or I don't think that that's admirable. And I think those two things can be held in place, right? I think because I think some people want to say you shouldn't be talking about him as the greatest basketball player. Be look at all these character flaws and kind of want to dismiss flaws? that. Flaws? People yes. say that in flaws? our culture. <laughs> Just Google it. 
Okay. Here's here's what I'm I will say, Scott Burrell man. needed there's, to be. There's tons of articles rated. that have been going around on Twitter. Here, I've seen some pastors retweet some things, and here's that's, I just wanted to there's throw a couple that out of th- there. There's a couple of thoughts that I have. <laughs> Number one, I thought that all of Jordan's interviews to me. Um, and we're not talking about maybe we're not addressing some of these specific flaws that you're talking about in his life, but I felt like his interviews to me came off incredibly authentic and he never hid behind decisions that he made, like the way that he treated players, he never hid behind or made excuses. He owned them. Yeah. Like he owned the way that he would talk to players. He owned, you know, and he looked at all of it as, as he was the ultimate competitor and the, and the ultimate thing was to win the basketball game. The ultimate thing was to come out on top and be the greatest ever. And I, and I felt like throughout the entire course of the documentary, like he comes off very, sincere in in those ways to me you know whereas some guys may try to make excuses to be liked or to you know some you know whatever but i felt like he was very truthful some might say that about isaiah thomas when they walked off the court (laughs) and he went back and kind of justified it like that's what everyone did exactly and jordan's like uh i don't know if that's what everyone did it seems like you were you just got beat and you were embarrassed and you didn't shake hands yeah yeah, How no. about Carl Malone climbing on that bus and shaking their hands? Yeah, the last man. Episode? Oh, Class man. Act. A lot of that respect. Yeah. That's that's awesome. Totally. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree, John Mark. I, I think that he did come off as is very authentic and owned even the mistakes that he made um, and things of that nature. I, I I think it begs the question, like just even the fact that those articles you're talking about are going around, like it begs the question, could Jordan have even existed in our context, like the way that he did? He said he couldn't uh, i was listening to an interview on it was a Already on answered. youtube it was on a cigar aficionado and it was him and this oh guy sitting in the locker room and he was talking about that and he was talking about he was like man with social media like twitter is everything's like no man i couldn't have survived okay he and, said that and that's interesting because not to interrupt you jonathan he'd no have been idea. canceled and, Can- cancel but, culture and that's interesting because he was such a huge brand without all of that yeah. without the platforms without the social media he was such a massive brand without all of that so i mean yeah he probably i think probably that made exist. him a bigger brand because you don't yes. you're not as distracted like if you think of just like like a like something like tv shows how many options you have Whereas in the '90s, how you know, like Seinfeld is huge because it's either that right. Friends or maybe one other thing. Right. So th- the whole country is like glued to like one thing, and I feel like that way about the celebrities of the '90s. Whereas today, there's so many different people to be distracted by. Well, anybody it, it, can be an influencer, it ad- basically. Mm. It adds to the aura of him being a mythical figure yes. too, right? Uh, and larger than life because you don't see. You know what he had for lunch, yeah. um, and and and, yes. and all of his different it's little curated. flaws and all there's that. More yeah. curated, and there's less options. Yeah, and so I I think you know, um, yeah, there's just something different about celebrity in general in that in that era, um, that that kind of lent them to being larger than life. So, it's great. Well, gentlemen, I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. <laughs> yeah, it's been great. I don't 
I don't think anyone's going to listen to it. <laughs> if you, not if this you've far made it, if you've made it this far, Thank send you. us a text. Email Let us. us send know. an email to Shades at Midweek or whatever. Midweek, it is. midweek. Shades midweek. Valley. Valley. If, you have, <laughs> if you have thoughts about the documentary about Michael Jordan, if we'll you find a, you some better podcasts to listen to. <laughs> yeah, any hot takes. That but, Bill Simmons you know. podcast is solid. Where they talk about the Last Dance. They they go through. They did an episode after each like Sunday airing of yeah. it, and then they would go through like a rewatchable game too, which was yeah. kind of cool. So that's that's a good podcast to check out if you want more Chicago Bulls right now. So, or if I you listen to this and you actually enjoyed it, you can email us about uh, other random topics you'd like a bonus right. Ooh, episode yeah. on. <laughs> that could be fun. But I've enjoyed it so much, I don't want it to end. Thanks. I know we're all Thanks. just like dragging it on. Well, but this is the last dance. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us on this bonus episode of Shades Midweek Sports Edition. We will do this again, maybe someday.